Hey, listener, are you happy with your current chicken wings? Do you wish you had something a little saucier? If you answered yes, then it might be time for you to break up with your old chicken wings and get a new honey. Lemon pepper wing from Popeye's. Share the wings with your friends so they can see it's time to move on, too. Head to Popeye's and get six-piece honey lemon pepper wings for $5.99. At participating U.S. restaurants, price may vary. If you don't know SiriusXM, then listen up. Commercial-free music plus sports, comedy, talk, and news. They have it all. And right now, you can get your first three months of SiriusXM outside the car for just $1. Go to SiriusXM.com busted to see offer details and to subscribe. Offer available to new SiriusXM streaming subscribers. SiriusXM, no car required. This is the Busted Open Podcast. You can listen to the full show Monday through Saturday from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on Sirius XM Fight Nation Channel 156. Welcome to the Busted Open Podcast. This is Dave LaGreca. On today's episode, WWE Hall of Famer, the world's strongest man, a world champion in not one, not two, but three different sports, Mark Henry and I talk all about dark side of the ring from this past Tuesday. I'm telling you right now, Mark has got a very unique perception of what took place for Brawl for All, so we'll definitely get into that. And, a, and an interesting story about him and Vince McMahon in, in terms of Brawl for All. Also, we get into The Undertaker, obviously off the heels of WrestleMania 36, and who could be The Undertaker's next opponent? Plus, we talked to Low Key of MLW with a surprise call-in from somebody that you definitely want to hear. All that right now on the Busted Open Podcast. While we were in break, I was talking, I was talking about Bully, and I, I mentioned Bully, and I said Mark. I was like, Tommy and Mark. And Mark's like, well, you know, I'm, I'm Mark. You're talking about Bully. And you brought up that it reminded you of your of your grandmother. Yeah, like, you're you getting know. old. Because my, my granny would be like, Eddie, Robert, Frank, Mark, Patrick, you know who the hell you are. Get over here. <laughs> Just call every dude in the family. <laughs> my my grandmother would be, my grandmother sometimes would call me Ginger, and Ginger was the dog. So she, she would be Damn like, Ginger, "Ginger, get over here!" And I'm like, "What are you talking about?" Granny is me. Yeah, like, then she'd be like, "Donna, Donna, Donna, Patrick," and you know, the, the, I get you called me the dog. You called me my female cousin, Donna. What's wrong with you, Grandma? It's time. Everybody has an expiration date, and I think I was like, "Your expiration date you, just, you have reached it, it. just came up." Just give me the keys and don't complain about this. I'll drive you wherever you need to go. Like when you start calling me the fuzzy animal that pees in the <laughs> corner of the house, we got a we got, I got a problem with that. You want Oh my god. <laughs> But there's there's grandma to do listening that. to the show right now that's like, you bastards, you should be grateful that I call you anything. <laughs> Boy, that Ryan McKittle sounds so different. No cookies for you. <laughs> hey, man, my grandmother used to make cookies like tea cakes. That was the that's how she controlled us. 
She was like, <laughs> okay, nobody's getting no cookies. And he'd be like, shit, why are you always messing up? You start fussing at amongst each other. Like, listen, man, you need to go in there. And you need to apologize. You need to try to make, go rake the yard or something. Go do something. <laughs> like, we, we would police each other because we wanted them cookies, man. It's like crack as a little kid. <laughs> I, w- I would think, Mark, of all people that you would be able to talk your grandmother down. Like when she got that angry that she says, all right, no cookies for anybody. You would probably be able to kind of schmooze it so they can get the cook. I'm, you were the guy that they, you were the heavy artillery that That's they would right. send into the kitchen. You know it. You know it. My brother would be like, look, hey, just go, go sit next to granny and talk to her because like she's pissed. And I don't know who left the refrigerator door open one time, but like she was, it was something about doors who left the door open. Like that, that was like one of the worst sins that you can create. You can go out and kill somebody, but if you leave the door open, apocalypse, the the second coming, (laughs) like, oh my God, it was, it was the whole end of the Bible just rolling up on you and it was nothing you could do she just would go off and i was always the one just like (laughs) mark (sighs) go and talk to granny please we can't even walk in or out of the house she's gonna hurt somebody and she would make us go get our own switch go get me a switch (laughs) like god dang not only it's like dead man walking. You not only are you gonna get your ass beat, but you gotta go get the implement in which you are gonna get beat with. And she would tell you what tree. Get that sugar gum tree right there. Cause you know sugar sugar gum branch, you can run around a corner and you can swing it and it would like a boomerang. It would just turn around the corner and hit your ass to it. <laughs> like you couldn't get away. And they didn't break. You know a normal switch? It'll break. Three or four hits. Ow, ow, ow. Okay, it's over. Sugar gum. <laughs> she, she, she was a scientist. She was a whoopologist. But sugar gum sounds so inviting. I, I you know, huh. sugar, sugar gum sounds so tasty, sugar gum. Oh, okay, I can't wait till you come to Texas. <laughs> hey, oh, whoa, 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 pull over. That's a sugar gum tree right there, and I'm going to whack your ass with one. <laughs> <laughs> Just so you can get a taste of what Lavelle Adams used to put down in the East Texas world. Well, I'm sorry to hear that. Sorry that there were times you couldn't get your cookie, because there's nothing like eating the cookie. Mark, let's get into wrestling, because that's... All right, let's go. <laughs> okay, I mean, as much as I love eating cookies... Um, or the cookie. Um, all right, WrestleMania thirty. WrestleMania thirty six. Uh, why are you Why are you shaking your head like that for? Oh, you need you need Jesus. <laughs> why don't just be honest? If I can't be honest with you, Mark, who can I be honest with? Who? Who? <laughs> who? Who? Oh my God! <laughs> All right, let's get WrestleMania 36. You know, pretty big deal. Two nights last weekend. Uh, before we we move on to what took place during the week, I haven't really been able to get your take overall. What did you think of night number one and night number two of WrestleMania 36? 
Uh, well, I was really impressed from the beginning to the end on on day one. Uh, Cesaro spinning and you know releasing and his hands, you know, was ah. I was like, okay, typical Cesaro. He would yeah. do something that was going to get attention, and and that's what it's all about, man. Going out there and making making your own memories and uh, creating a moment for yourself. And you go through that whole pay per view on the first night, and it, it was like a building to a crescendo, and and it got down, finally got to uh, to AJ Styles and and the Undertaker which I thought should have been the main event on the second night to end everything. But they had to do something to get the buzz, and I guess that was the one that they chose. Um, Unbelievable. I mean, the future of wrestling changed with one performance because there has been cinematic matches before, uh, a la Matt Hardy and, and so forth, Bray Wyatt, but... Uh, nothing like that one. Uh, Undertaker did his damn thing, man, again. He just keeps on showing the world that he is different than the rest of us. And I was super impressed. And, and, and even it spawned a reaction in pro wrestling that you hardly ever see. Uh, you had people like Mick Foley going on social media going, hey, Vince, Look, I want to be in the Boneyard match with The Undertaker at WrestleMania next year. And you had the the thought made me go, wow, I can come out of retirement and do that. I mean, just that that would be awesome. So now you you can go back in time and pull guys that haven't wrestled in a while or been on mainstream television, and you can bring them back. And it's a way I, I run into some people all the time, Dave. That's like, um, yeah, you're that wrestler, right? And I'm like, yeah, how you doing? You you watch program? Ah, I used to watch back in the day, and then in the you know early 2000s, middle 2000s. Uh, I just don't know these people today. And I'm like, look, man, you got to give them a chance. And he was like, yeah, it was like just all the people I knew just went away, and it was all these new people. Now you can use the older guys to give the rub to some of these younger guys and bridge the gap. The gap is there, – there's a big gap. All of a sudden, the older wrestlers just went away. And I think this is the time to bridge that. And uh, Undertaker and AJ Styles, uh, they were the catalyst for it. Yeah, and Mark, I mean, that probably more than anything else is what people were talking about coming out of the weekend. We'll get we'll get into the Firefly Funhouse in just a minute from night number two. But that was, to me, the perfect way to end night number one. And I yeah. don't know if I would have thought that going in. If you would have told me that a, you know, a production, a cinematic production of Undertaker and AJ Styles, that wasn't really actually a match but more of a mini movie was going to end night number one. I would have thought that would have been a mistake, but man, it couldn't be further from the truth, Mark. I mean, that, that left a lasting impression. I think everybody who watched that loved it. I mean, very, very few people were negative about it. 
because it did harken back to another time with The Undertaker. And it kind of coincides with that trailer that's on the WWE Network for that limited series, The Last Ride. And you seeing the human element now of The Undertaker. And you're seeing the guy that has had health health issues over the last three years and really has just been building up and building up towards that one WrestleMania match. And, you know, it's it's hard. And, and Mark, you can attest to this. Like, when you're a legend, when you're a Hall of Famer, the last thing you want to do is to step into the ring and maybe do something that could ruin your legacy. It's I know that sounds like an almost impossible thing to do, but I think no, that's what not, a lot of— it don't sound what, impossible at all. That's why I quit, Dave, because there was a day that I saw that I wasn't me. I was like, that's, that's not— the representation that I want people to see of me. And I've heard all throughout history, like, oh, man, you're going to get old one of these days and start taking those three-level bumps and crawling up the ropes. And I I didn't want to be that guy. And uh, I didn't want that to be the last impression of me. And I understand how uh, The Undertaker, he was hobbled. And there were times where he had control to where he could pick me, Kane, Big Show, you name any name somebody, he could muster it up to get us up for the last ride. He could muster us up and get us for the the tombstone. He wobbled when he did it with Brock. He 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 wobbled when he did it with Roman. And it was not because he was old, it was because he was hurt. Mm-hmm. He was beat up, and he's getting healthy. And granted, he's not as strong or as agile as he was in his prime, but he's still the Undertaker. And a healthy Undertaker can put on a performance like we saw. And man, it was it was amazing. It was amazing. This is Luke Thomas from SiriusXM Fight Nation. Combat sports and the entire sporting landscape have been impacted as we all face a time of uncertainty in the world. We have concerns about our family, friends, and neighbors and have taken time out to focus on the important things in our lives and be safe. One thing that we can be sure of is that we'll push through this difficult time together. Whatever happens in the world of combat sports and beyond, we'll be here for you on SiriusXM Fight Nation. In the meantime, you can join us for live sports talk on Mad Dog Sports Radio Channel 82 and SiriusXM NFL Radio Channel 88. Coming off the heels of our conversation, Mark, about The Undertaker and AJ Styles from WrestleMania, and you said something that was, you know, so profound, and that is that, hey, you know what? With that cinematic, you know, presentation like we saw in night number one of WrestleMania, you could bring back a legend. You know, Mark just said, hey, you know, I'll come back. If that if that's the way we could do it, Mark Henry and Undertaker or Mark Henry and fill in the blank using that type of presentation. But when it comes to The Undertaker, I think it's a very, very short list of guys that you would like to see The Undertaker face. Like, it kind of goes that fantasy booker in me. Like, who is that one match that you would love to see The Undertaker in? And and quite honestly, Mark, at this stage, what could be the last match for The Undertaker? You know, you don't really know how much longer The Undertaker could go. And I think the one opponent that a lot of people would want to see against The Undertaker, to me, would be Sting. Wow. I would have to agree. Um, 
you think about the all the great matches that Sting had, all of the him flying in from the rafters to the ring and repelling down into the arenas and and you name it, and all of the great talent, historical talent that he beat. And then you talk about The Undertaker in the streak and the matches he had with Shawn Michaels and the pageantry of his entrance. And then you have Sting say, you know what? As great and as illustrious career that I've had, I'm not on the lips of the wrestling fans like The Undertaker is. And it's not jealousy. It's not envy. The winner gets to tell the story of who was the greatest. And Vince McMahon won the war between WWE, WWF, WWE, and WCW. So when they say that the phenom is the undertaker, he says, I will beg to differ. And let's, let's find out at WrestleMania next year. And Undertaker can rebuttal that and say, listen, man, I know you got your panties in a bunch because y'all lost the war and people don't talk about you the way they talk about me. But keep my name out your mouth. You saw what happened to AJ Styles last year. And I'll bury your ass next. And it's over. Everybody's waiting. Everybody's not thinking about WrestleMania. They're thinking about, wow, I can't wait to see Undertaker and Sting. And if 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 they don't bite on that, I, I just I don't I'm 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 gonna pull my hair out. <laughs> From your beard. <laughs> <laughs> here's the here's the thing mark like i agree with you and i'll take it a step further a lot of people think that i dislike sting which is couldn't be further from the truth i actually really like sting is sting one of the greats a hundred percent is sting a hall of famer yes he's you know he's 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 in the hall of fame he is a hall of famer but i don't put sting on that level of top 10 mount rushmore to me, Sting is not on that level. He's not in the same vein as an Undertaker. I'm sorry, he's not. He's a notch below that. So when you look at that, and it's and the reason I look at that is because of what you just said, Mark. The winners rewrite history. They control the narrative of the history books. And WWE slash WWF won the war against WCW. So those legends are going to be looked upon a little bit higher due from the perception. And even when you look at Sting, you know, you look at that Starcade match with Hogan, which was extremely underwhelming. Sting's last match was against Seth Rollins. He was injured. He couldn't walk out of that ring with his head held high. You know, he was injured. You look at the WrestleMania match with Triple H. It turned into a schmoz with NWO and DX getting involved. And Sting lost to Triple H. I truly think that Sting deserves to have that one last match at WrestleMania 
And to me, that one last match at WrestleMania has to be with The Undertaker. Undertaker has nothing to prove. Under, Undertaker could, could call into the show today, Mark, and say, you know what? I'm done. What you saw at WrestleMania 36, that's it for me. And he's going to be on the Mount Rushmore. He's going to be in the top 10. He's going to be regarded as the, the greatest personality and character in the history of pro wrestling. Undertaker has nothing to prove. But to me, with Sting, there is just a little tiny slither of a void in his career that I think needs to be filled. And I think for that reason alone, we need to see that match at WrestleMania 37 between The Undertaker and Sting. I've been screaming about it since WrestleMania 27. There was the whole like there was the whole rumor that Undertaker and Sting was going to happen at WrestleMania yeah. 27. Yeah. That's, that's a decade ago. It's a decade ago, Mark. This needs to happen and it has to happen. If it doesn't happen at 37, it's never going to happen because what everybody has said is that, you know, the Undertaker, he's at the end. Sting, you know, he's probably reached the end. He's in the Hall of Fame already. He's He's been injured. But this is your way to do it, Mark. The way to do it is how they presented Undertaker and AJ Styles at WrestleMania 36. Yeah, I, I've had, Dave, at least three or four friends of mine that are big comic book heads and uh, guys that go to the Comic-Cons and so forth. And it's like, think about the Comic-Cons. Think about, you know, Undertaker and Sting build-up and these guys showing up at Comic-Cons and, you know, kind of, you know, mixing it up a little bit, like staring each other down and creating moments that lead up into it without them touching. He, and I was just like, wow, that's pretty ingenious. And you can use every other medium, like, you know, social media, eh, not so much. AJ Styles and, and Undertaker, they they talked about stuff that happened on, on social media. Oh, it was you tweeting pictures of you with a tiger and you with the family and uh and isn't that cute? And AJ Styles played that up so well. So well he did. Um you can use that medium too. And um I, I just hope that we get what we want as fans. Um, I know they're listening. And I think, honestly, Mark, what you said is would be the perfect way to go, where Sting is like, I, I need this match. I need to beat you. You know, my legend was buried when WC, WCW died, you know, 20 years ago. I need this match. You know, I'm in the WWE Hall of Fame, but I never really garnered success in the WWE. I need to be the beat the biggest legend of all time and the undertaker's attitude is like get your get you know get your get my name out of your mouth or i'm gonna slap it out because i i'm not gonna be your stepping stone into what you feel you deserve as a legend like to me that's the story and just yeah. the entrances alone i think will be wrestlemania moments oh my gosh man can you imagine sting at WrestleMania and what you know, we we seen Undertaker. <laughs> we know what the Undertaker's interest is. He I mean, just on Saturday, he pulled up on a motorcycle and people lost their shit at home. I yep. did. I mean, and when I saw the 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 hearse pull up and the casket get pulled out, 
I was like, wow, Undertaker's making a hell of an entrance. And it was AJ Styles. I just popped. I was like, okay, AJ, I see you. <laughs> I see you. Look what you're doing, man. And, 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 oh my gosh. I just got all excited, got goosebumps again because they did things that entertained you before the match even started. And that, that's exactly what Sting and Taker would do. And that's just the production alone. I mean, I, I know a lot of people kill me because I've been yelling and screaming about this for forever. And people are telling me to let it go and let's move on. And, you know, but, you know, if you're and and this could be not only the last match for Sting, this could be the last match for The Undertaker. I mean, I think there's a, a reason why they're having this series on the WWE Network and calling it The Last Ride. I really do think that, you know, The Undertaker, you know, what he has put his body through and what he put continues to put his body through, I, you know, I, I think this could be his last match also, Mark. And for me, there's really nobody on the roster that fits that last match for Undertaker where it would really feel this big like Undertaker and Sting. He had the match with AJ. He had the match with Bray Wyatt. He had the match with with Roman Reigns. You know, he had he had these matches with who you perceive as the top guys in the WWE right now. And nobody was really satisfied by it. I think an Undertaker Sting Match would quench that thirst, and I think people after that match would be ready to let go, let go of Sting, and let The Undertaker have his last ride. Yeah, I mean, but you know, also see um, The Undertaker and Brock. I see The Undertaker and um, Baron Corbin. I see The Undertaker and Braun Strowman. Uh, there's a lot of things that you can do now with those guys that you probably wouldn't want to do in the ring, but you can still get it done. Uh, Fuck I, Brock. I, he ended the streak. He ended the yeah. streak. Son of a bitch. <laughs> I remember the hate and the loathing that you used to spit and oh about Brock. He's a sometimey once a year wrestling Bastard. Uh, I just loved it. And now some of it just came out. Just, <laughs> just a, a little, little bit. bit. Just a little bit. Just a little bit, Mark. Oh, my God. IndyCar fans, this is Brick by Brick with AJ Allmendinger and Jack Aroot. We can maybe provide you with a little distraction. I'm just missing racing. The season will start, and they'll have to be ready right when it starts. And I think we're really going to see the drivers that are physically and mentally most strong through this time are going to come out firing. If it's a shorter schedule, the start of this season is going to be even more critical than usual. New episodes air Wednesdays at 6 Eastern on Dan Patrick Radio Channel 211 and anytime on demand with the SiriusXM app. One of my favorite shows, Mark, and we talk about it a lot here on Busted Open, is MLW Fusion. You can watch MLW every single Saturday night on 10 p- at 10 p.m. on BN Sports. And one of my favorite wrestlers on the roster, and I know yours too, Mark, is joining us here live on the line. And that's Low Key joins us on a Friday. Low Key, how are you this morning? I'm doing good. Good morning, guys. Thanks for having me. The strongest voice in the business. <laughs> it's just a little early for me, that's all. My brother from another mother. What's going on, man? 
Uh, it's no man, secret it's so that I'm good. a I'm so a good. I'm a low key fan. <laughs> well, it's appreciated, man. And, and Loki's been on the show before. And I remember we had him in studio in New York years ago. And yes. He, and, yes, and Mark, with MVP. Yes, with MVP and Okada and uh, Tanahashi. It was, mm-hmm. It's crazy. It's a it's a picture that picture that I hang on my wall. It's one of my favorites. And <laughs> I, I even I even it's amazing. And I even said it, Denmark, and you just alluded to it. He's got the pipes of an angel, man. If anybody has like a voice for radio, it's low key. I mean, this yeah. is a guy that should be on the air someplace doing a radio show for crying out loud. The quiet storm. Well, thank you. With low key. <laughs> the yeah, you in New York. <laughs> yeah, get that W. That's good. That's a good gig, man. Oh yeah, I practiced it plenty of times in the car. <laughs> 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 yeah. So the next host of uh, Busted Open will be Low Key. Um, so Low Key, let me ask you because one thing, and I don't want to get into MLW Fusion in just a second, but one thing that I admire about you, and you mentioned MVP, and he's in the same vein as the fact that you have such a love and passion for pro wrestling that you have done it everywhere. I mean, you have been everywhere mm-hmm. and as done everything was that a goal that you wanted to accomplish is that you wanted to be able to perform at every different venue for every different organization to me it's i'm i'm a headhunter i'm an eternal champion so my goal for anything that i'm doing and anyone who's followed my career can probably justify this i'm consistent but it's because i'm consistently going after the top spot i'm a headhunter I go after the champion. I go after whoever's on top. But I'm the smallest guy around normally, so it's unsuspecting. People don't expect that from me because they expect the whole culture of little guy uh, being fighting from underneath is the culture. I, I came in and broke that. And I just proved to everybody there's a difference. It's not size. It's, it's integrity. It's not size. It's your heart. It's no different than pro fighting. But in pro wrestling, there's no off-season, there's no health care, there's no union. You're out on your own. So if you're going to do this at the highest level, it has to be efficient. It has to be uh, with that laser sight precision because mistakes can be made, and those mistakes can cost you for the rest of your life. I just saw the dark side of the ring recently and saw a picture of draws. I I saw Draws on the show the day before he ended up in that wheelchair. So I've been around long enough to see a lot of the the ups and downs in the profession and the reality of nature and what we're involved. I find Loki to to remind me of Samurais. You know, you you look at... (laughs) You look at people that fight with honor and they fight with uh, a code, and and that's that's mm-hmm. what low key represents to me. All the years that I've known him, as well as uh, the years of seeing him in Japan and and on the Indies, um, sure. it was not a death sentence for him to leave the WWE. It was uh, mm-hmm. new life. It was it was a rebirth of the guy that came before he came to the WWE. So um, I, I, I like the samurai comparison. 
Yeah, thank you. That's the the code of Bushio. But I'm also a lifelong martial artist, and I grew up with a really solid family. Most of the guys in my family were all military. So I got military upbringing with martial arts mentality. Then I entered pro wrestling. So wow. it, it's all it all flows, but it makes sense because there's a logic behind it. I'm not distracted by a lot of other stuff, so I'm able to focus and concentrate my energy in order to get something done. Because I focused on my craft, that's the reason why I surpassed so many other people at an early stage, because I wasn't mimicking everything else that existed in the culture. You just said it was almost like a rebirth after WWE. I felt like that was more of me extending the, the existing culture up until that point, and then after I left, I'm ready to destroy it. And that's what you saw, the the, the change. Because now there's a whole different mentality behind that fire. And that's the worst thing you can do, is have somebody with a lot of fire behind them now being able to concentrate and focus that energy. Mm. And it shows. I mean, it shows with the product that you put on in the ring. Um, mm -hmm. I can say that you're you're a man to be feared, but you're also a man of integrity. Um, you're yeah. somebody that you know people respect and and should respect. And I think anybody that watches you wrestle will have that notion of you. Case in point, Mark. If you remember, I mm -hmm. guess it was about a year ago, Mark. Remember we had from MLW, we were good enough to have Selena De Laurenta on the show. Do you remember that, Mark? I remember. We had her on. So she went on. She gave you on, the business. Oh, she gave me the business. She gave me the business hard. So she was just mm -hmm. ripping me. Continued to rip me on social media. And then I put out a tweet firing back at her. And <laughs> low-key fired back at me. Now, in the world of wrestling and what we do, that's a that's a common occurrence, but when Low Key did it, I shit my pants. I'm like, wait, wait a second here, please, uh -oh. please, please. And and obviously it was like it it, it was it, but it, but that's what I mean though. It's that he has that integrity, and you can tell that he's somebody that if you're working with me and you're on my team. You're gonna feel that as well, and that, and that's something, low key. Mm -hmm. Honestly, that's something that should be admired, and and I know for myself and Mark that that we definitely admire that about you. Well, thank you. It was uh, that was my inherent protect my people, mm -hmm. and I just happened to see that message. So when I saw the message, I just immediately responded to it, and. I sent her a message, and she was trying to cool it off because uh, I'm very, uh, I'm very protectful, protective of my people, especially if they're women. So if I see another male trying to cut them down or to try to antagonize, and there's no setup, yeah, that that's kind of where things get a little foggy for people. Yeah. So, <laughs> just so you know, low key, there was a lot of setup there. There was just so you know, there was a lot of setup there. Oh man! Because when I hit her up, and she was like, "No, no, it's all good. It's all good." I like how people quickly try to downplay stuff when I start asking questions, just to try to diffuse. Um, because I'm actually well trained in in uh, uh, conflict uh, de-escalation because I'm I'm. I've been groomed by the, the president of the Verbal Judo Company. That's the stuff I was doing for years after WWE. Mm -hmm. So on top of me being so quiet and uh, uh, effective with my silence, 
just wait till I open my mouth and I'm going to slice and dice you in a million different ways with a verbal communication effectively. So usually people want to try to uh, anticipate <laughs> the aftermath. So they try to downplay everything sooner. And it was, it was really cool. Like, I mean, you know, and she's somebody, obviously I support, I'm a big supporter of MLW. And when she yeah. came on the air, she has that skill on the microphone that she, you know, here I am promoting her and promoting MLW, and Mark will. Mark was with me that day. She did an excellent job of just cutting the legs off from me. Like, yeah, I was like, the, hey, what did you got, do? Yeah, she's got that. T- you know, she is excellent at, at what she does. And honestly, but Court put it up to that. Yeah, Court. Yeah, Court. Court actually. Yeah, I'm not even. I'm not going to go there. But you know, but yeah, Court's <laughs> like, you know, be prepared, Dave. She's going to just slice and dice oh, yeah. you, and uh, she has mm-hmm. a skill to do that. I mean. You know, she's super talented, beautiful woman, but, like, she will mm-hmm. get you at the drop of a dime for you to hate oh, her. Yeah. And, and that takes a skill, mm-hmm. and it shows on MLW Fusion each and every week. Yes. She, the one thing that uh, people forget is how young she really is. She's very young. She's early 20s. So to be put in the position that she is or she has and to deliver the way that she has is is surprising. Because with mm-hmm. her level of experience, you don't expect her to do so well. And it, it's her attentiveness. She's very inquisitive. So she, she's trying to learn and she's trying to adapt, but she also has inherent skills that she's strengthening. And that's what Court does. He's trying to put her in position to strengthen those skills and then the, the lineup, the pairing of how we work together. You know, that's more of a confidence booster um, with what she was doing and how we were paired. So, you know, the one thing that, that separates her from a lot of other girls is the inquisitiveness, the, the work ethic. A lot of other people, they, they behave according to the culture of what currently exists. So you end up seeing the same behavior repeated over and over again. I warned her years ago, you got to think differently than everyone else so that you can perform differently than everyone else. And she's been, she's been pretty good at that. All right, let's get let's get into what happened last week. MLW Fusion each and every Saturday wow. at 10 p.m. Yeah. and it's one of my favorite shows each and every week, Loki. And you had a match up with King Mo, mm-hmm. and I mean, yeah. uh, you talk about a controversial finish to that match. I mean, mm-hmm. for, 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 I mean, first of all, th- the referee should be fired after making a decision like he made in that matchup. I mean. You know, blindly seeing that yeah. towel in the ring and then calling the match off uh, because obviously that wasn't the way it went down. A lot of interference, obviously interference from filthy Tom Lawler. Um, so, you know, please talk mm-hmm. a little bit about what we saw last week on MLW Fusion. Well, last week was the the, the match for the, the branding of the King of the Knockouts in Major League Wrestling. I'm facing King Mo. King Mo is a professional fighter coming down with Dan Lambert of American Top Team. They're answering pro wrestling and coming into Major League Wrestling trying to make some type of statement, except the statement that they've made this entire time is a rather questionable one. One, King Mo, as bad as you are, and if you want to call yourself a knockout master, you lost your last several matches. You've been knocked out several times. On top of that, you're coming into Major League Wrestling, and instead of aiming for the champion, you aim for me. Why is that? Ah, that's right. I'm the smallest guy here. You want to pick on me? Should be easy, right? But it seems like 
despite that there's an existing culture in pro wrestling, that carny culture that's starting to fade away because the guys are getting older now, despite the fact that pro wrestling has their culture, pro fighting has theirs as well. And what it seems to be is you got somebody who's had the hype build up for them in pro fighting, and they're trying to use that to come into pro wrestling and trying to impose. Well, that's fine. I've been around long enough to understand the game. I got into this a long time ago. I've been in this over 20 years. You, you're just getting into it. And what it appears to me is something that commonly happens in martial arts. You've got somebody of an experience level, a certain experience level, coming in thinking they're going to impose on somebody they don't know. Cardinal sin. Your martial artist never underestimate your opponent. But even worse, never discredit them in a way that is done with expectation and arrogance. You're setting yourself up for failure, and look at what's going on. You're picking on the smallest guy. You didn't go after the champ. Why? Ah, easy. You're a bully. What do we mm. do with bullies? We face them. Well, not to interrupt you, Loki, but and and just so you know, mm -hmm. I'm doing this show from home. I'm not in the studio because of everything that's going on. Right. But my producer says there's Naturally. a special guest yeah. on the line, and it just okay. so happens it's the head of America's top team, and that is Dan Lambert. Mr. Lambert, how are you uh, today? Why am I not surprised? Uh, hey, I'm fine. I actually just got a panic call from court waking me up, begging me to dial in and try to save this segment since everybody knows low-key means nothing but low energy and low rating. So here I am. Uh, wow. <laughs> Come well, on, man. I mean, uh, wow. Not a good morning. Of of American top team. First of all, Dan Lambert. You, I would, I would think that after what took place last week, that uh, you shouldn't be coming in being as boisterous as you are. Being that King Mo should not have really won that match last week. Okay, here, here we go with the fake news. Uh, I don't remember seeing you in the ECW arena that night. They can play with all the post-production work and camera angles that they want to, but the fact of the matter is, low-key got knocked out. King Mo won the fight. You're lucky that fight was in a ring and not a cage or one lasted as long as it did. Oh, that's how you see things. That's how you see things. Had you not, you were in the arena as well, were you not? You were right there ringside, were you not? Holding that white tile for King Mo, were you not? You heard exactly yeah, the same I, I thing as everyone else. Was that crowd was behind me, and that crowd, that's right, and the crowd saw everything that you guys did. This was a masterful. Believe me, I called you the mastermind of ATT for a reason. I'm not dumb. I've been around this for a long time. On top of that, I've been paying attention and training for a long time. I'm not dumb, Dan. I paid attention to what you've been doing, not only here, but years ago in another area in Orlando. I've been paying attention very, very closely. Where I come from is New York. Where I come from, people get killed for the right. stuff that you guys have done, but you're in the business. Yeah. You're in the business for taking pro fighters, taking their blood, their sweat, and their tears, giving them an environment for them to pay you, and you get cut off of their money. You think I'm that stupid. You're coming into pro wrestling, and you think you're going to impose. You think you're coming into pro wrestling, and you think that you're going to hold yourself at a higher scale than everyone else when you haven't even earned your strike Preach. in pro wrestling. You can sit here and talk as much as you want, but all you've ever done is provide a modern-day plantation for pro fighters. You're sitting there making money. You're sitting there earning stuff off of the blood, the sweat, and the tears, and the hard work of each and every man and woman who goes into that gym, but 
you're going to come into Major League Wrestling and you're going to open up your mouth and you're going to pontificate to me about my business, about what it takes to be a champion, about what it takes to put somebody down. And you're going to come in as if this is your playground. Damn. You're setting yourself up real bad. I'm, I'm probably a bigger fan in pro wrestling than the 18 listeners they have regularly on the show combined. But you talk about coming into MLW. King Mo's coming into MLW with the greatest accolades of anybody to ever step foot into that promotion, okay? But he did not come in there in a cocky manner. King Mo came in there respecting the business of professional wrestling. He didn't come in there saying, hey, I'm going to go have Ricky Steamboat, Randy Savage, WrestleMania three matches. He came in and he wanted to work his way up from the bottom, which is why he chose you, because you are at the bottom, okay? He wanted to work his way up in a respectful manner. Contrast that with what we saw when we showed up at MLW and what we got is some wannabe tough guy who spent two or three weeks at the local McDojo now presenting himself to be the king of the knockouts. Those are our waters that you're treading in. You want to run with that. It's a local promotion in a high school gymnasium against a jobber. That's fine. But when American top team steps into MLW, you reach into your bag of gimmicks and come up with something else, pal, because those are our waters and our waters get deep really quick. I mean, yeah, it looks like you needed floaties because look at exactly what you did. You had Eric Stevens. You had Dominic Garini. There was no reason for them to be ringside, but exactly what they did. This was all strategy. Respect. Because you came right to the world warrior. You came to somebody who pays attention to strategy in an extended period of time. I'm not dumb. I've seen this coming down the pipe for a long time, and you think I'm unprepared. That is not the case, sir. I've been doing this for a long time for a reason. And now what you've done, you've aligned ATT with filthy Tom Lawler. That's quite surprising because I have a history with Tom. Tom, he was the one who dethroned me in Philadelphia. So for him to do what he did at the end of my match, and you can sit here and pontificate as much as you want about McDojo this and McDojo that. I'm McDojo nowhere. I'm in that ring proving myself for over 20 years against the baddest dudes in that ring. And for what? For you to come in here and to have assistance. You talk about being respectful, earning your way from the bottom up. It looks like you're a bottom dweller, and you like hanging out there with your friends. Bottom feeder. You want to come into Major League Wrestling. You want to try to take over Major League Wrestling at one of the most disrespectful, unprofessional manners that you can even think of with leverage, with assistance. There was nothing done like a man in that ring. Mo was nearly put out. He was very, very close. You saw how close he was. I could see it in your eyes. I could see it in your movement on camera. I knew exactly what was going on. Even the referee telling me, sit up, sit up, sit up, sit up. He's trying to warn me because he knows we're going to drift into the ropes. Referees are not dumb. But Mo, Mo was very, very close to being put to sleep. I didn't even have to clip his chin. I was putting him to sleep the same way that every other Gracie fighter would do to him. But. Kind of, sort of, pro wrestling friendly, post production work. Say whatever you want, fact matters. You got knocked out, pal. Just like you and any Gracie fighter is ever going to happen if you step in with American Top Team, okay? <laughs> is, is there going to be a rematch here? Whatever you need to do, it's good. You most certainly best believe I'm talking to court and I'm going after you guys. This is not the end of the game. What you guys did was interrupt right me. Lambert. That's the biggest mistake you could have done because 
Mo, he came after me. I didn't go after him. You guys interrupted me. I didn't interrupt you. So you guys, you know, you, the little uh, talking out of both sides of your mouth can work on the fans. It doesn't work on me. I know exactly what you guys are doing. They're trying to destabilize the environment to gain control. I understand that. Good try. I respect that. But what's going to happen is I'm eventually going to get my hands on Mo. You're going to pay the price for that. Then I'm going to get my hands on Tom. He's going to pay the price for that because what you guys have done is interrupted me going after Contra. I wanted Fatu. You guys have now got my attention. Well, hopefully we'll we, 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 I'm sorry. I just want to say we came after you because you're, you're a stepping stone. That's all you are, okay? And we're going to take what you've got. Just just like we came in in 1997 and took what the Gracies had in MMA and have been carrying that torch ever since on the top of the mountain of the MMA world, okay? So you just a little piece of our grand plan. You've already been taken out. You've already been knocked out. If you want a little more piece of that pie, you know what? You might have to step up in a cage and come into our world. All right, well, we'll see what happens oh, between you means. two. Oh, my Luke, you can kill. Dan Dan Lambert, I don't know how you got on the line, but cut him off, guns. It's ridiculous. I'm trying to have hey, an interview know, with Luke. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to have an interview with Luke Key, anyway. who's been do, respectful. No, yeah, it's, a, it's I don't know if you heard. It's the number one sports talk show, so they're not going to cancel the number one sports talk show, pal. Having a respectful interview with Low-Key. Don't need to be interrupted by somebody who cheats like you do. If you're as good as you are and your team is as good as they are, you wouldn't have to do what you did last week. But you did. Exactly. Why, why do we even let him on? No, nah, like it's if- Guns. It's Guns, our producer. Just puts anybody on the air. Sorry, Guns, did, well, Guns got... <clears throat> we have to uh, preface what's going on so he knows who that. not to let on. Yeah, Dan, right. you know what? Top of the list, Dan Lambert, okay? People not to put on. Number one, Dan Lambert. Uh, but you have to understand, but you have to understand exactly what I said, modern day plantation. He's paying he's getting paid off of the blood the blood, sweat, and tears of those men and women. It's the same the same process as pro wrestling in the past. I'm not dumb. I can see patterns repeated over and over again. And you guys think that you're going to come in here and you're going to stick your chest out. And because you have the label of pro fighting, you have the label of being in the cage with Crow Cop. You have the label of being in the ring with Bader and all these other fighters. You think that you're going to intimidate people on the pro wrestling side because, oh, this is a work. Uh, this is where you guys have made a mistake. This whole hype of pro wrestling, the whole, oh, it's you with the volume turned up. It's you playing a gimmick. It's you playing a character. I'm not playing anything. That's the difference. When you're a man, you're a man. I've been myself. Exactly. There's no kid shit going on in here. And that's the problem. Pro wrestling has devolved into a high immaturity environment and you got guys like Dan Lambert and you got guys like King Mo thinking that they're going to piggyback off of that and be opportunists. Uh, I see what's going on. You were successful up until a certain point in another area and you hit a brick wall. Can't go any further, so you decide to go somewhere else. Oh, it's over here. It's pro wrestling. You're not dealing with the same level of competence in fighting that you would in pro fighting. So you're going to come in here and you think you're going to bully people. Okay, I've got 20 years of practice in dealing with bullies. Let's roll. Let's Loki, go. I wouldn't want to mess with him. I love Loki. it. <laughs> Loki, I thank you so it. much for the time. I'm so, I'm so sorry that Dan Lambert <laughs> got through and interrupted our conversation, but I love watching you That's again. Right. MLW we'll Fusion That's five each and every we'll Saturday. 
on BN Sports. We'll have you on again after this whole mess is over. Well, I appreciate it, guys. I'm sorry about that. No, that's not your fault. It's guns. Your home for all things combat sports is Sirius XM Fight Nation. Start your day with Hall of Fame Pro Wrestling Talk on Busted Open. Respect these men and women that build the business. Then, the Barack Show keeps you up to date on all things boxing. Boxing is the theater of the unexpected. And MMA guru, Luke Thomas, has you covered for mixed martial arts. Joe Rogan is the most important influencer in all of MMA. The fight game broken down like nowhere else. Only on Sirius XM Fight Nation Channel 156. One thing that you have really enjoyed, and we spoke to Evan Husney a couple of times leading into the debut of Dark Side of the Ring. I thought a very good episode on Brawl for All this past Tuesday on Dark Side of the Ring, Mark. Yeah, I I really did enjoy it. Um, I sat and watched it with Jacob and was explaining to him that I wanted to do, uh, be in the Brawl for All, um, but due to Vince saying, hey, this is, I think this is something we need to keep you away from. Um, You know, you're doing good things, and uh, I don't want to put you in a bad spot because it might be damaging to you down the road. And watching it last night made me remember all of the conversation that we had. Um, And I'm grateful that I was protected from it because – uh, I do think that as much as I wanted to do it, I, it, it ended up being something that was kind of a, uh, for lack of a better term, a black eye on, on on pro wrestling. There's no doubt about it. And, you know, there was injuries. Um, I think the biggest one, because he was one of my favorites, was Steve Dr. Death Williams. I mean, you know, he had a, a, a long career before that. He was in his late 30s at, at that time, which still meant he had years to go. And, you know, he, you know, he pulled his hamstring during that fight. And then obviously it probably did more damage to his his perception, his character than any injury that took place in that ring. And, you know, like the fact that who knows, Mark, like you could have excelled in that or maybe there could have been an injury. And it was it was great that you weren't a part of it. But. You know, being with the company at that time, Mark, what, you know, was there things that maybe you heard about that a lot of people don't know when it comes to Brawl for All? We had Vince Russo on the show, and it seems like talking to Vince Russo, there wasn't really a plan. This was just a tournament. There wasn't a plan for whoever won to go on and have a, a, a main event push or go on and have a run with Stone Cold Steve Austin. It was just a, a, a fly-by-night tournament. Is that is that the way it was perceived to you in the rest of the lo- in the locker room as well? Well, I mean, I'm, I'm sure that the people weren't lying. I mean, you you see the uh, interviews on Dark Side, uh, actually how it came to be and how it unfolded, and brother, it just didn't. It, it seemed like it was very disjointed and disorganized, and there was a thought process to it, but not much of one, and it was based on one guy wanting to see one guy get his ass kicked. And once that happened, then where do you go from there? Yeah. Nowhere. It it, it went nowhere. And uh, I think if you would have just, if they would have just said, okay, we're going to take Bart, and we're going to put him against Stone Cold Steve Austin, they run a little three- or four-month program, and – you know, Bart loses. Um, 
then now you've built Bart. You gave him the rub, and he can go on and do other things, go against other people. But they didn't. They put him in there with Butterbean, who was a knockout artist, who actually, Butterbean was in Connecticut at the uh, WWE gym, and in the studio they had a ring set up. And I, I kind of sparred with him a little bit. And, um, like, I don't, I don't know if I've ever been so hit so hard in my life. And uh, I felt like, well, if I keep him at the end of my jab, then, you know, I could eventually get him cornered. The, the dude knew how to cut the ring off, and he slipped my punches. He was, he was, a, he was a boxer. He knew what to do. He wouldn't, you know, all the hamstring injuries and knee injuries that uh, the, the wrestlers were getting. You know why they were getting those, right? Why? Because they were not used to w- going backwards and forwards and pushing off those, off your, off you, off your, the balls of your feet. They they say in boxing to point your toe and to pivot when you throw a punch. Well, when a a guy that's an untrained fighter throws a punch. He throws it with his shoulders and his upper body, and his whole upper body moves. That's telling a seasoned boxer where you're going to throw the punch. They already know you're going to throw it with that hand because of the way you stay, the way you point your feet, where your where your hips go. And it's like uh, <laughs> it's like a a boxer uh, fighting somebody, and they're in slow motion but they're not restricted. It was a, a complete bad idea. And you know what? Like what you just said, Mark, is extremely telling. And I'm glad you, that was an awesome perspective because I don't think a lot of fans know what you just said. But, you know, Bart Gunn fighting other wrestlers in, in a brawl with, with gloves is one thing. But stepping in the ring at WrestleMania with somebody who is a knockout expert like Butterbean, like, and then trying to go in there as a boxer, how could you have success? Like, of course it was going to end the way that it ended. Probably should have yeah. ended a lot quicker than it did. It probably could have ended. He lucky that he didn't die. Because, I mean, I watched that, that fight again, you know, just to watch it. And I rewinded in slow motion him getting hit that that first like really big shot. He should have stayed down. And then the 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 second time he hit him, his head was facing backwards. It went beyond. You turn your neck as far as you can turn it, and his neck went three inches past that. It could have broke his neck. It could, man, you talk about a tragic, you know, thing happening. That's, that's what you could have dealt with. And I watched Mike Tyson hit people and it was the same way. Like where they would, their head would spin and all the sweat would fly everywhere and the mouthpiece would come out. And, you know, you saw Bradshaw take a, a punch and started shaking like that's brain trauma. So I mean, it, it's my my wife's dad was a was a boxer, and um, he was the alternate for the fifty three, fifty four Olympic team. And when it got to the point where he was going to start fighting pro, he was a school teacher and uh, a college graduate. He was a smart guy, 
So he was able to say, no, I don't think this is for me. I want to fight, but I'm not going to be, I'm not going to fight guys that I know I could beat. I want to fight guys that are really good. And it took him one fight with Ezra Charles (laughs) to realize, you know what? I think this teaching thing might be for me. (laughs) And it's a lot of these guys that are not smart enough to get it. They, the passion, the energy of being in a pro fight is like a drug and it's hard to let go. Um, I, I, I hope that, um, other people that watch last watch the uh, uh, dark side uh, of the uh, of the ring get the fact that just because you're a big tough guy does not make you a boxer. It does not make you a fighter. Um, you know, low key is a like he said a smaller guy. You know, five seven, hundred and eighty pounds. But Loki will kick your ass. I watched him throw kicks at a kick pad that I, I would have would have broke a horse's leg. I mean, it's just he he's an incredible, credible guy. And he's trained. That's what he said. He said, Man, I'm I'm calculated. I, I train for this every day. And you put somebody in harm's way. If you put them in in the ring with somebody that uh, just really knows their craft, and it it did, it ended it ended careers. It did, it, and and it's it's crazy to think. Not only did it end careers with some of the people who lost, but ultimately it ended the career for Bart Gunn, who won the tournament. So a guy going in that says, "All right, this is going to do wonders for my career by winning the tournament," Mark it essentially ended his career. Thanks for listening. Catch us Monday through Saturday on Busted Open from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on Sirius XM. Fight Nation, Channel 156. The Busted Open Podcast. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn on what you want, like trying out that new workout class, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller for your sore muscles. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are, with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash activecash.